Lord, thank you for singing a word into our hearts to remind us on our journey of how you were with us. And we give thanks to make that journey or show us the path of that journey for us to take to. Lord, thank you for your word this morning that inspires us, encourages us, convicts us, and leads us. Thank you for those moments, those challenging moments, in which our paths have been made straight. In your name we pray. Amen. So when is the last time you came to a crossroads? Do you remember the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, with George Clooney? Have you seen that movie? Maybe it's been a little while. Everett, which is George Clooney, Pete, and Delmar are driving down an old country road in the middle of nowhere, and they come across a literal crossroads. But there's a man standing in the crossroads. They stop. They ask his name. Tommy Johnson was his name and what he was doing there. He's wearing a hat, he's got a suit on, and he's got a guitar in his hands. And he says, I met the devil here last night, and I sold my soul to him so that I can play this guitar real good, he says. He hops in the car, and traveling down the road, one of them asks him, well, why did you do that? Why did you sell your soul to the devil? And he says, well, I wasn't using it. Are you using your soul? When's the last time you felt your soul was at a crossroads of faith? Or maybe you yourself was at a crossroads of life? Maybe you're there now. Three years ago yesterday, I graduated with my doctorate of ministry. It was a celebration. It was a good, long time coming celebration, but it didn't begin there. It began back in eighth grade when I made a decision to accept and follow Christ. It began in 91 when I graduated from college and took my first job as a youth minister. It began in 96 when I went to seminary and again in 2000 when I served my first full-time church and then again in 2014 when I started the program. There are many places, many times, that the crossroads of life and faith became real for me. What about for you? The Greek philosopher Aristotle said, Where your talents and the world's needs cross, there lies your vocation. Presbyterian theologian Frederick Beekner said, The place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. When facing those crossroads of life, those crossroads of faith, where do you go? Who do you follow? Whose advice do you seek? Today's scripture, we meet a man by the name of Nicodemus. He's a Jewish leader, a high Jewish leader. 
I believe he's at a crossroads of faith. Let us see where he goes. Let us see who he meets. Let us hear what advice he's given. And advice not just for Nicodemus, but I think also for us as we face our crossroads of life and faith. So will you turn to the scripture today from the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, as Linda shares it with us this morning. Hear now the word of our Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews, comes to Jesus 
with what has been keeping him up at night. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus that has authority from God to teach and share and say what he does? Let me take you back to that time. Close your eyes for just a minute this morning if you can. Picture yourself on a dusty street in biblical times in a biblical city. It's nighttime. You're scurrying home. As you scurry, you hear somebody knocking on a door. You pass by and you see that it's Jesus. Jesus is the one who answers the door. You stop. You recognize the voice that is speaking to him. It's one of the Jewish leaders standing at the doorstep of Jesus. And you hear them talking. And you hear Jesus respond. Open your eyes, if you would. We don't actually know where Jesus and Nicodemus are. But we know it's nighttime and a most unusual time for this conversation to happen. How about you? You've been lying in bed at night and your mind is running and you just can't fall asleep? Or you wake up in the middle of the night with your mind going 90 to nothing and you just can't get back to the rest you desire. Wouldn't it be nice in those moments that we had someone we could go to and they would answer our questions, or at least we could ask those questions too? This is likely the situation that Nicodemus has been in. He's a Pharisee, a leader of the Jews. Many of the leaders of the Jews have been challenging Jesus and his, his assertion that he is the Son of God. Nicodemus has probably had many restless nights, but finally, on this night, in this occasion, at this time, he gets up. And he goes to the source, Jesus himself. Nicodemus is afraid to approach Jesus in the daytime. Now, let's be honest. If it was us, we might be in his shoes, too. What if somebody saw him? What if one of his fellow Pharisees heard him ask Jesus these things? He might lose his position. He might lose his title. He might lose his respect. You been there? You want to know something. You want to ask questions. You're not too sure what to say or what's going on, and you want to know more about it, but you're afraid to ask. If you ask, though, then... Man, somebody's going to see inside your heart. If you ask, then people are going to know what's bothering you, or they might even discover a weakness that you or that I have. I would call these moments crossroads of faith. Sometimes along our spiritual journeys, we'll have these crossroads, these moments when our faith hits the dirt road. It's at these moments, though, that what we believe is crucial. It's these moments that who we are and claim to be is vital. It's at these moments that what we believe becomes so important. It makes a difference on where we go and who we become. At our 11 o'clock service, we'll be recognizing the compromands two of them from our community and their confirmation. 
As I share with you, these youth have spent several months preparing for a time in which they are given an opportunity for themselves to respond what was claimed for them at their baptism. A moment in which they can declare their belief in Jesus for themselves and to follow him. I think this Sunday and this passage becomes a good time for each of us to also confirm our own faith. Nicodemus is there too. He's heard a lot about Jesus. He's heard a lot from Jesus and he's intrigued by what he's hearing. His heart has been strangely warmed, but he's still struggling with that all-out commitment to Christ. He's hanging on to his day job while under the cover of darkness, exploring what is really on his heart. I've been there. Have you? What concerns or questions are on your heart today that you would like to ask Jesus? We don't have to wait till it's night time as we're laying in bed to ask him. Nicodemus comes to Jesus impressed with all the signs and wonders that Jesus has done. But Jesus responds, it's not the signs and wonders that are important. The significant thing is the one who undergoes a personal transformation, a change. It's a new birth. A new birth? Nicodemus misunderstands what Jesus is saying and takes him literally. But Jesus says, I'm not talking about an actual birth, but a change in one's life where they have been reborn, have become a new creature, a new person, a new identity with a new mission and a new passion. But Nicodemus cries out, how can this be? We can hear the longing in Nicodemus' heart to want this, to experience this. His life, his profession has been so caught up in the literal that he doesn't know how this can happen. He believes in the one who's talking. He longs for this new life. But how? But how can this be possible? I think we've been there. We want to change. We want to go in a new direction, but we just don't know how. Maybe that's admitting that we, can't, admitting that we cannot change ourselves. We want to change, but we can't do it on our own. It's at these crossroads Jesus hops in the car. But we have to invite him into the driver's seat. What does it mean? What does it mean for us to be reborn? John, along with the other writers in the New Testament, connect rebirth to the kingdom of heaven and to eternal life. Let's look at both of those very quickly. The kingdom of heaven is not just a place after death. Christ's message is about creating this kingdom on earth as well as in heaven. That was the overarching theme through confirmation. How? How do we do this as reborn creatures? Remember the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. 
If we as sons and daughters of God follow God, then his kingdom becomes a reality. We have to willingly submit our will to the will of God and willingly accept it. Sonship. Daughtership is a privilege of God and a call of obedience and acceptance and freedom because we're no longer living on our own. In a similar way, eternal life is not what just begins at death. Eternal life begins at the point we accept Christ. Eternal life is not as much about a time frame, but a place or state of being. Eternal life is living a life with God and experiencing the joy and peace in which God offers. It's through our devotion and reverence that we experience Jesus and all that he's offering. In other words, we experience Jesus by being reborn. In other words, we are reborn by experiencing Jesus. Do you see the connection? We cannot bring about the kingdom of God or have eternal life on our own only by being reborn. We can't make ourselves be reborn. Only God can do that. Only when we accept Christ does he come in and then change us and prepare us for that change. That's where the water and the Spirit come in that Jesus refers to. No one can be reborn without the water and the Spirit. Now what's the significance of the water and the Spirit? The water is the symbol of cleansing, washing away our sin. The Spirit is the representation of power. The cleansing is great. But if all we are is cleansed, then through our sin we would go back and dirty ourselves all over again. It's the power of the Spirit that enables us to change and resist sin, to walk that different path, to stay out of the mud, to be a different person, to be changed. It's the power of the Spirit that enables us to do what we cannot do on our own. Christ says, what is born of the flesh is flesh, what is born of the Spirit is spirit. As humans born of flesh, we can never bring about our own rebirth by anything we do. When we try, we get frustrated. Kind of like Nicodemus is in today's scripture. Nicodemus has been trying to figure it out on his own and has just come to the, crossroad, the crossroads of reality that he can't. Have you? When we allow Jesus into our hearts, our sins of the past are forgiven. The Spirit equips and empowers us for the future presence in the kingdom of God, and we receive the promise of eternal life. Remember the John 3, 16 that we hear today that we've heard all of our life and we see written in many places. For God so loved the world that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. God is the initiator here. It's through his love and only through his love that we can be in relationship with God. Now, I was tempted to stop right here. Good verse, right? Good one to end on, a good message, a hope, and positive in all that we're facing and dealing with. 
but the verses after John 3.16 are connected and are important and are uncomfortable. John doesn't stop at John 3.16, so I don't think I will either. We talk about the kingdom of God and eternal life and John 3.16, but what does John 3.17 say? And the verses afterwards, and what does that mean for us? That Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save those in the world. Even with love, there comes judgment. For those who believe in God in Christ are not condemned, but those who do not believe are. This is confusing. This is uncomfortable. We don't like to think about both sides. But do we love our family? Does that mean that whatever our family members do, they can do whatever they want with no consequences? Sometimes. I guess it depends on how we look at the situation. The story about a visitor who went to an art gallery was led around by the attendant, and they looked at these masterpieces that were up to 400 years old. The person appreciated the guidance of the attendant, but looked at him at the end and said, I'm not impressed with your old pictures. The attendant, in a calm, soft voice, said, Sir, you have to remember that these pictures are no longer on trial, but the people who look at them are. When Jesus is presented to us and we accept him in our lives, and our lives are transformed and our hearts are open and the gates of heaven begin to become more clear, what happens? But when we are presented Jesus and we reject him and put him aside, our souls stand condemned. God has not done it. We've done it to ourselves. Nicodemus, in today's scripture, is yearning for the questions that have made, yearning for the answers to the questions that have made his soul restless. He approaches Jesus at night. He's heard all these teachings from Jesus. They make sense. But what happens to Nicodemus? He must have accepted it. He must have made a decision to follow Christ. Because after Jesus' death, it's Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus who take Jesus' body from the cross, prepare it for burial, and place it in the tomb. Each of our journeys with Jesus have not been the same. The compromise journey with Jesus have not been all the same, but I hope the focus has been about drawing closer to Christ understanding his love and responding to his call to follow him. So what is your decision? Maybe you've made it. What is your decision? Will you decide to follow Christ at night and during the daytime? Or just to keep traveling along the dirt road right through the crossroads of life and faith? that we face, not stopping to see what's going on. God sent us a gift. That gift was His Son, Jesus, that we might be born again. 
sounds like a pretty good solution to a good night's rest for the soul. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Lord, we thank you for those people you have placed in our life who we meet at the crossroads, who teach us, who lead us, who encourage us, who hold us accountable, who remind us of who you are and the blessings that you've brought. Lord, we like to hear the word of message and hope and love and trust. We don't always like to think of the consequences of the other side. Lord, today as we hear the story of Nicodemus and we know and recognize our own story and our own journey. Sometimes, Lord, we've chosen you and sometimes, probably many times, Lord, we've not. So help us from this this point forward to follow you. Knowing that your grace, your love, and your mercy abound. In your name we pray. Amen.